Hello, everybody. Locked on Big 12 podcast. Josh Neighbors, your host here. Joining us today, Jonathan Davis, the host of Locked on Longhorns. We look back at the 2022 season that was for Texas. Look forward to 2023. Will they be contending for the Big 12 championship? And what does it look like for Texas as they look forward to the SEC as well? Coming up on today's show. You are Locked On Big 12, your daily podcast on the Big 12 Conference, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Once again, Josh Neighbors here, Locked On Big 12 Podcast. Jonathan Davis of Locked On Longhorns is here. You guys can find him on Twitter at John Zoball. You guys can find me at Josh Neighbors underscore. You guys can find both the Locked On Big 12 and Locked On Longhorns podcasts wherever you guys get your podcasts and on YouTube as well. Please subscribe to both. Jonathan, you're the second Cowboys fan I've spoken to today. Uh, this will this will air before your Cowboys play again. So uh, quick, real quick, 30 seconds. How are we feeling about the Cowboys against the Niners this week? We're feeling – it depends. I don't know. The 49ers <laughs> are the better team. You know what I'm saying? It depends on how much Kool-Aid you're drinking or not. You know, if you want to just look at this from an analytical perspective, if you want to look at it on paper, if you want to look at the matchups and all of that – then you're going to find yourself stressed out because the 49ers will probably win every matchup that you look at. So what I'm advising you to do, all my Cowboys fans, is just forget the analytics, forget the matchups, forget all of that, and just start drinking the Kool-Aid. We're two games away from the Super Bowl, man. So we're going to beat the 49ers. I can't tell you why. I'm just telling you it's going to happen. Well, you guys could argue that you do the better quarterback, although Brock Purdy has played, has played very, very well. Um, well. Let's talk about your Longhorns. Quick question. So the, the number one question here is, you and I talked about it a bunch, about like what is progress, whatever. But did the Texas Longhorns make enough progress in 2022? And you can define enough as whatever you want it to. So go ahead. Did the, did the Texas Longhorns make enough progress in 2022? In my opinion, they did not. In my opinion, they did not. I feel like eight and five left a little bit too much meat on the bone, especially when you're talking about uh, Texas Tech and Oklahoma State two games where you had double digit leads and you let that go a TCU game where you didn't score an offensive touchdown. I just felt like there was too much meat left on the bone. And yeah, we improved from five and seven, but it's the university of Texas. Like you see how we recruit right? <laughs> five losses. Like that's damn near 500 to me. When you talk about the university of Texas. Now, when you talk about some of the things we saw, like improvement of the culture development of some of the players that had been there from the previous coaching staff development of some of the true freshmen, Kelvin Banks already looks like one of the best offensive linemen in the country. So in that regard, you saw a lot of improvement and some steps to say, okay, Sark, is building, you know, is heading in the right direction as far as the program. But in terms of wins and losses and Texas getting over that hump of losing five losses and losing games, they definitely should not lose. And, you know, being in a position at the end of the year where we couldn't even beat Washington in the Alamo Bowl. And Washington won 10 games, but it's like, you know, we should have went in there and took care of business. We were damn near oh, at home in San Antonio. You're, you're, so. two, you're, you're two running backs. Like, I mean, <laughs> come so, on now. They, they, so, they you know, we – nothing but respect to Washington and the Huskies. They won. They got 11 wins, you know what I'm saying? But Texas should have took care of business in that game. Texas should have had nine, oh 10 God. wins this year. So we just left a little yeah. bit of meat on the bone. But intangibly, there were some things I saw a lot of improvement in that makes me excited for next year. But no, no I think that uh, based on what Texas put on the field this year, they should have won nine plus games and they didn't, they weren't able to do that. Okay. So Steve Tarkeesian known as a good, as an offensive mind. We talk about the quarterback a lot and that was the interesting part about Texas down to the very end. Now, look, they won their last game against Baylor, and if K-State had lost to KU, then it would have been Texas the Big 12 championship game. So, you know, they were 
they were winning games. They were kind of in it, I guess, if you want to say that, till the very end. But the one thing that slipped towards the back end was the quality of the quarterback play, which I thought was very was very interesting, right? You'd think that it would improve. But Quinn Ewers post-injury, really like second half of that Oklahoma State game, it was it was bad. And kind of things went were I'm not sure if downhill's the right term, but just was not, was not um it was not good. I actually thought he played a pretty good bowl game. The, the, the number of drops was was like yeah. that was pretty embarrassing. But <laughs> to me, this is where the offseason conversation starts. And it's actually not just offseason, it's where a lot of the last two years have started with Texas. Inconsistent quarterback play, whether it's Casey Thompson, Hudson Card, Quinn Ewers. And I think that the rest of the team looked very good in kind of overcoming you know, that late in the season. And I th- actually thought that's where they kind of progressed the most. Cause usually if Texas shot themselves in the foot, it wouldn't go well. They were kind of able to cover up for some of that, that lack of quality at that position. So your thoughts on quarterback play in 2022 and kind of moving forward a bit here. Yeah. It was a little bit interesting because we know that Quinn Ewers, uh, you know, skipped his senior year to go be the backup to CJ Stroud's backup, <laughs> you know, and, and you could say whatever you want about being in the quarterback room with CJ Stroud and, Ryan Day, you know, but I think he would have had, you know, I think he would have been better off playing his senior year at South Lake Hero, right? You know, hindsight is twenty twenty. Right? I agree with that. <laughs> so, um, I guess now when you talk about the quarterback play in 2022, it was weird because we saw him and against ULM, and you kind of you can't really take anything away from that game. But then Alabama in the first quarter, he was the best player on the field. And so it's like, okay, right? Like, forget the freshman curve, forget the learning curve, like number one overall recruit in the country, like he's here, it's his time, right? You know, and then he gets hurt. We're like, oh, damn, you know, if we would have had, you know, if it was a fifth, if we would have had Quinn Ewers against Alabama, we'd be going to the national championship. We'd be at the college football playoff, right? And then he comes back against Oklahoma, they win 49-0, to and you're just thinking, like, there's nothing that can keep, you know, the Texas Longhorns and Quinn Ewers out of the Big 12 championship game. Like, there's no team that could even mess with us. Look what we just did to Oklahoma. And then it was downhill from there, and it started – with the Iowa State game where he wasn't bad, but he definitely missed some throws in that game, and there were some bad plays. And then we talked about Oklahoma State where he goes 19-49, to 49, the TCU game where he throws 39 passes. I don't even think he cracked 200 yards. It just – we didn't see development and improvement from Quinn Ewers. If anything, it looked like he regressed week to week. And I think there's a bunch of reasons for that. Maybe Quinn Ewers not being able to get off his first read, uh, Sark not helping him out as he should as a play caller, the receivers not helping him out at times. You talked about those egregious drops in the <laughs> Alamo Bowl. So I think there was just a lot that played into Quinn Ewers not having the year we thought he would, even though he started off hot. But there's plenty of examples outside of the University of Texas and the University of Texas specifically where quarterbacks weren't great their first year. And then after another year in the system, they blossomed. We saw it with Vince Young. We saw it with Sam Ellinger. The, I think the all-time example is Joe Burrow. And so we know that Quinn Ewers has all the talent and the ability in the world. And I'm putting my money on him having another year of experience, him being his second year in Sark system, him showing us that he's the quarterback we all thought he was coming out of South Lake Carroll next year. Oh, yeah, and you mentioned that last year of high school is so important, right? Because, I mean, that Iowa State game was the first full football game he had played since his junior season at South Lake Carroll, which is like crazy to think about. And I, th- you know, I think the one other thing about we can say about, about the Big Twelve, and I am just saying this as a as a point, like about quarterbacks. I mean, think about these guys this year who emerged. Will Howard was not good for his, you know, first couple of years at Kansas State. 
Max Duggan was okay. He started a lot of games. He played really well at sometimes and didn't play well other times and developed and, and over time is kind of what got him to where he is now, just kind of getting old. Like I think that really does help some of these guys, these college quarterbacks just getting old and he's not even close to getting old. Right. But just getting older, I guess yeah. in his case, I, I think the one hesitation and we're going to mention this a ton during the off season, but like anytime you have a guy named Manning back there, it's going to be anytime is you know, it's a bad throw, bad pass, whatever. There will be hesitation uh, to, to make that call. And also, you know, I mean, I, I think Malik Murphy staying there, at least he's still staying there, right? At this point in time, we're still. Yes, he's, he's quarterback too, as we record this podcast. That's, and that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I don't think Arch Manning's going to play next year. I, I really don't think that's going to be the plan. Like, if I was Sark, and this is just me, I'm an outsider though. Like Malik, Malik Murphy, I wouldn't say, you know, open job, but like, I want to see what Malik Murphy can do. And I might have some packages for a guy because we know that guy is really good. It sounds like Jonathan too. A lot of the stuff he does in scout team is pretty impressive. Just like they ask him to do it and he's able to, to kind of give them a great look at whoever the next quarterback is. And he, you know, he does a great job with some of that stuff. Um, maybe he's the next guy, but like, I think I almost feel like Sark should just red shirt Arch Manning and just be like, just so we can get this out of the way now. A red shirting arch and Malik Murphy's going to be our two. Quinn Ewers is our one. So there's not as much hot talk during the offseason if things go wrong one game. What what are your thoughts kind of as we move forward? Because this is this should happen, I think, pretty soon, like as we hit spring practice. Yeah, I think that's the best case scenario. And I think if Sark had his way, right, then that's what would happen. You just kind of put, you know, Arch Manning down there at quarterback three and hope that you don't have to rely on him at all this year. But I do think that it needs to be a little bit of a meritocracy. And we don't know how far along Arch Manning is. You know, everything we've heard thus far uh, is that he's exceeded expectations. I mean, he, I guess he's been on campus over a week, <laughs> a little bit over a week now, but in that week he's exceeded expectations. I guess right. Uh, you know we're gonna. Get well, what do you mean in terms of how many day. times he's lost his student ID? Is that what he? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, hey, exactly. Hey, he's so focused on. on the playbook. He's so focused is, on the playbook. He doesn't know where his student ID. Okay, is this actually happening, or is this like I, it was just like fake? Because I mean, I I think it happened at least once, but it's Twitter, bro. You know what I'm saying? So I can't get on Twitter and like, you know God, reasonably conclude if he has ID. his ID or not. You know what I mean? One of the damn IDs, but especially like, Arch Manning. Like I feel like even his ID is worth some bread. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, you gotta, yeah. He's <laughs> had to make two of them. He's had to make two of them because people are selling the first one. Yeah, no, you're totally right. But I mean, yeah, yeah but, it, we'll see it. We'll see that. Yeah, but I, I think in terms of Malik Murphy and uh, Arch Manning and Quinn Ewers, I think Malik Murphy has to go out there and earn the quarterback two job. And you would like, you know, for Arch Manning to just sit this year and be quarterback three. And like I said, not have to play gain that year of experience and development. But when you look at Quinn Ewers and Malik Murphy, they've both had serious injuries. Uh, Quinn Ewers with the hernia in high school, and then he missed pretty much four games last season. And then Malik Murphy injuring his ankle in the state championship game. And then he injured himself again, which, the re which was the reason he never cracked, you know, at least quarterback three on the depth chart. He was quarterback four all year on the depth chart up until the Alamo Bowl. So I think... In an ideal world, you want Arch Manning to just sit at quarterback three and not play at all this year. But you do have two quarterbacks in front of him, at least right now, that have had some injury concerns their last two years playing football. So you have to approach it as if Arch Manning could go into a game this year and be ready to play. Because, like I said, with two quarterbacks in front of him with injury history, you just never know. We saw last year where Quinn Ewers and Hudson Carr were hurt at the same time, although Hudson Carr you know, kind of thugged it out and played, you know, there was a situation where we were talking about Charles Wright playing against UTSA. So yeah, Arch Manning yeah. could be this year's Charles Wright. Yeah. Wow. What a, what a sentence that was. Uh, I think it actually makes a lot of sense. I I will say um, the next thing too, like before we move off the offense, a lot of the guys, I mean, 
Xavier Worthy, the yikes. What a, that was a weird year for him. We'll see if he can get whatever was in his system out of it. Uh, Isaiah Nader should be coming back, right? I mean, you know, he wasn't able to play this year, so should be getting him back. And then uh, JT, JT Sanders, he's got another year, right? He's got, yeah, he, I he's mean, that guy back. is, he's a weapon, man. He is yeah. a serious weapon uh, in that in that passing game. He could, that guy can block. He is a really good pass catcher. He's an he looks like a linebacker. I mean, he is he's a tough dude. That might be one he's of the best. Dog. Passes I'm gonna I'm abbreviate it for you. He's a dog. He's a dog, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but the one thing we have to talk about with the offense, obviously, is losing Bijan Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson. And this is where it's on the offensive line to start stepping up and creating holes for guys who haven't run a whole lot. Now, I think we like the chances of the offensive line doing that next year, but. Um, you, you know, even like just, just put the replacement stuff aside. It sucks that we can't watch that guy play anymore for the university of Texas. It does. I, I love watching him. I love having him in the, in the league talking about him every single week was a pleasure. Um, same way it was with Brees Hall and guys like that. It just, it sucks. And also I'm going to miss Roshan Johnson too. And, uh, I know Sarkeesian is going to miss them even more because you, you can't just, you don't just replace two guys like that. You just don't. Yeah. I mean, they were the heartbeat of the offense last year. Texas was undefeated when they ran the ball more than they passed the ball. And you can add the context that, of course, teams run when they're up, like whatever. <laughs> like I said, Texas right. was undefeated last year when they ran the ball more than they passed the ball. That's just what B. John Robinson, you know, meant to this offense as the Dope Walker Award winner. We came into the season saying he was the best running back in the country. That award confirms it as the best running back in the country. But then for Roshan Johnson to be the unquestioned leader of this team, but also get close to 700 yards from scrimmage behind the Dope Walker Award winner, just shows how much we relied on 12 personnel in that power run game last year with Bijan and Roshan. So like you said, you know, of course you're going to miss two running backs of that ilk, but you're hoping that the offensive line is better next year. And you're hoping uh, that the running backs behind them obviously probably aren't going to be as talented as Bijan and Roshan, but you're hoping the, the you're hoping that they're capable and the holes are bigger. And so they can still dominate with that power run game. And then, you know, let Quinn Ewers pick his spots off of that. On defense, this was a much improved group. They did an excellent job this year, Jonathan, stopping the run. They were a really, really tough team to get stuff going against on the ground. And I think especially, I know Kendra breaks the big run in the TCU game, but I think the TCU game was probably, I mean, do you feel like that was the best defensive game they played? Because like there was a one coverage bust with Quentin Johnson and there was a one long run. But they also well, forced I, a defensive touchdown. And I mean. Yeah, I, I would have to say. Of course, Oklahoma, because they shut them out. Yeah, Oklahoma but I mean, had Oklahoma had the worst game exactly. plan. Yeah, exactly. That's one yeah, of the worst yeah. offensive game plans I've ever seen. I'm going to say Alabama, just because okay. at that point, your only test was ULM. You didn't know what the defense was going to look okay. like. And, I mean, to have Bryce Young and that offense, I, I know they hadn't really gelled yet, and they maybe really didn't gel until the Kansas State game. <laughs> it looked like damn near. And there was a the two-man uh, team, man. It was Jameer Gibbs <laughs> and Bryce Young all yeah, year. All long. year, no, exactly. And that's yeah. what it turned into at the end is Bryce yeah. Young and Jameer Gibbs. That's when it started. But just to hold that Alabama team to 20 points, I'd have to say that was the best effort of the season. But TCU was definitely next, holding them to 17. And they were able to get after Max Duggan, too. Like, they were yeah. they were flying off the edge. They were good up front. I mean, um, now they're going to lose a lot of those guys. But do you think – with Pete Kwiatkowski, there is more of a foundation and the noise about, you know, Jeep. I know GP is, I guess he's deciding to stay, right? Which is kind of a weird thing. But well, it's, it's it's up in limbo right now. I, most reports are saying they don't think he's staying, but as of right now, he's still. But I mean, staying. as of right now, he is a Texas Longhorn coach. Like, so yeah. they think he's going to take a DC job. Is that, I guess, the assumption that he'll be somebody's he, defense he, coordinator? I don't know. They just said signs are pointing to him not returning. You know, that's that's. But, I'm, I'm not. Don't charge me with that. Don't. You know what I'm saying? Right. I just signs are pointing to right now. He's not returning. 
but signs have pointed a lot of ways over the years. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. I, I'm not sure. Like, I'm not sure in an overall sense how, how to calculate that potential loss then, but I think overall, like Pete Kukowski had a better handle on this team this year. I know GP was in charge. Like as most assistants are, you give a guy a game or two, right? Like you, like GP, you're in charge of game X, game Y, right? And he did a good job. And I think in some of the games, I think he was involved in a lot of the Alabama uh, game planning too. But like, I thought Pete Kukowski's group, they were more organized, obviously an older group. And I thought guys who had not played as well in the past uh, played really well, but what are they losing off this defense? And how concerned are you about the guys they are losing? Well, I mean, losing DeMarvian Overson, I think that's a big loss. Um, you know, losing Anthony Cook at the safety position, I think that's a big loss. You're hoping that Jalen Catalan can come in and stay healthy because mm-hmm. if he can, then you might have upgraded um, at the safety position. No disrespect to Anthony Cook. We're talking about all SEC safety and Jalen Catalan. Um, you lose Deshaun Jameson at your other corner spot, but I think you're fortified at that position. And then you lose Keandre Coburn, which was a big part of that run defense, taking a huge jump. But let's talk about who we're bringing back to this defense, the Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year in Jalen yeah. Ford. <laughs> right? not, not my Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year, but he did win the award. He, he was not my Big well, 12 no, 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 no. He, no, he didn't win the award. The dude from Kansas or, State. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah but I, I was being funny. Your winner of the funny. award. Also, not my winner. And if Felix Anaduke Ozama, not my winner. I am a Tyree Wilson guy. I know he missed the last few games, but Tyree mm, Wilson okay. should have won that award. I'm, I, I look. I know Jalen Ford was amazing. I know he had an awesome year, but bring him back. That is absolutely massive. That is that is Jalen Ford. We talked about Keandre Coburn up front, his running mate, Tavondre Sweat. He comes back. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jade Barron, one of the best nickels in the country last year, not just in the Big 12. He's coming back. Ryan Watts, the Ohio State transfer that really solidified that corner position. He's coming back as well. So I think that you're bringing back so much talent on the defensive side. Plus, you have the influx of young talent from the 2022 class. You have some young studs like Anthony Hill that can come in and play in day one in this 2023 class. So I would expect Pete Kukowski in this unit to be just as good, if not better, this year than they were last year. I don't think the defense falls off at all. You do have to worry about losing some experience. But I just think from a talent perspective and who you brought back, which was four of your best players on last year's defensive unit, I think that they'll be okay this year. Yeah, and that's that's encouraging, right? Because like, you know, at that point we're talking about a a full team, and and that's that's kind of transitioning. You know, I know the recruiting has been awesome. I know they're doing well in the portal, all that kind of stuff. Um, like, and that's how you build this thing. And I think I think talent wise, especially talent wise, they're going to be set for the SEC. They're going to be the preseason favorite next year in the Big Twelve. I I think that is that is what I'm I am anticipating that the. the the other side of this is there are a lot of people out there who cover this league who are like, I will believe it when I see it. Um, and I, I'm the league feels wide open next year, but you know, there are, there's a big question of like, can they finally get the job? Also who they're going to play next year. We haven't don't, don't know the schedule yet, but can they finally get the job done? They will be the most talented team in the big 12 next year. I think there is no doubt about that. Can they finally cash in? Um, and I'm not telling you to, I'm not saying you have to give me an answer on that, Jonathan. I'm just saying like, what is, what is your approach to that question this off season is tempered optimism. Are you thinking like, this is the group that's finally going to do it? I, I mean, cause I'm just wondering at this point, like quarterback play is the big thing that keeps them back. And I expect it to be better than last year. 
Yeah, I think every offseason that optimism in Texas fans just dies a little bit more. You know what I'm saying? And like, you know, they recruit so well that you just get hype and everything in the offseason. But I think you go into each season just a little bit less drunk off the Kool-Aid than you were the year before. And I came on, you know, I joined uh, with Locked On last year, January 31st. So coming off a of five and seven season, I'm just screaming Big 12 championship, Big 12 championship. We got the most talent, just Big 12 championship. And then, you know, they still can't find a way to get over the humps of losing to teams. Like, I, you know, I respect what Texas Tech did with Joey McGuire, but, like, come on, look at Oklahoma State. Bro. The half the team is transferred at this point. Like, they clearly have some dysfunction going on, and, oh and we God, couldn't hold yeah. a 14 point Dude, there were some guys play. playing that game I'd never, <laughs> never heard of playing for Oklahoma State. Like, it's, like that was bad, too, because they had some they had some nobodies yeah. playing. And so until Texas can get to that point, because, you know, the Alabama game notwithstanding, I don't know what's going to happen in that game. It's still Nick Saban. It's still Alabama. You're still on the road in Tuscaloosa, right? Until they can get to the point. So like you said, they're going to be more talented than every Big 12 team they match up against. But until they can get to the point like the elite teams where they don't stumble and they don't fall in these games that, you know, the the teams are going to be better than, I think you have to take more of a wait and see approach because Texas was more talented than Oklahoma State this year, TCU. Uh, Washington and Texas Tech, and that's four games they lost, right? Mm-hmm. So until Texas can get to the point to where they walk in and bully the teams they're supposed to bully or just beat the teams they're supposed to beat, you know, whether it's by one point or 20 points, then we have to take the wait-and-see approach with this team because, you know, we can do the on-paper thing every offseason, which we do, <laughs> right? And, you know, Texas right. is the on-paper champions, the recruiting champions, right? But when I look at it, there's been five teams that have multiple top five classes since 2018, right? I'm, this is a nugget, right? There's five teams that have had multiple top five classes since 2018. Three have won the Natty in Georgia, Alabama, and LSU. Four have played for the Natty. Those three I just mentioned in Ohio State. And then there's Texas who hasn't even won their conference. So until Texas can start matching the production on the field to the way that they recruit, then you have to take a wait and see approach. And that's going to be my approach this year while also being optimistic that they can and should get to the Big 12 championship game and hopefully win it this year. The good news is, though, some of those guys that recruited, like, were awesome. You know, we mentioned the offensive line. Like, you know, I mean, Banks and Hudson were really good this year. Really, really good. So, like, they they started hitting the areas that you want to. But yeah. you and I will talk again soon, Jonathan. We'll have a lot more on, on this Texas offseason because it's going to be fun. We'll keep a tracker on how many times Arch Manning loses the ID. We'll do the whole thing. Uh, where can people find you and your work and all of its variety? Yeah, man. Uh, Johnzo Ball, the personal Twitter, like Lonzo Ball with a J, Locked On Horns on Twitter for the Locked On Longhorns Twitter. And then YouTube and wherever you get your podcast, Locked On Longhorns. And you could catch me sometime in February at the Dallas Cowboys Super Bowl parade in person. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jonathan Davis, appreciate your time as always. All right, Pete.